Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Ephesians chapter 6, I want to begin at verse 10. I've entitled this message, Take a Stand. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The Pentecostal part of me likes that praying in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You can be seated this morning. When I was thinking about starting this message, this is what came to my mind. I believe many Americans are in a state of falling, falling let me, let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. Really, three things come to my mind. Number one, Americans are falling for so many things. And they're not good things. They're falling for socialism, communism, Marxism. Believe it or not, there are people in America that, that even though that's a failed experiment around the world, they think for some reason we need it in the good old U.S. of A. They're falling for critical race theory moral relativism, what I call gender misidentification. They're falling for abortion, same-sex marriage, transgenderism, progressivism. A lot of Americans are falling for these things. And then Americans are falling away from some things. They're falling away from biblical literacy. People don't know the Bible anymore. They're falling away from the Ten Commandments. They're falling away from moral absolutes. They've fallen away from the church. They've fallen away from God. They've fallen away from patriotism. It's gotten out that if you want to be a patriot, you're a bad guy. And then there are so many Americans that are falling into some things, falling into a sense of entitlement. Falling into a victim mentality. Falling into even deeper levels of moral depravity. Falling into spiritual decline. And what is sad is that there are some believers, or at least people who call themselves believers, and even some churches who are falling for these very things and falling away from these things and falling into these things that I just mentioned. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, the Apostle Paul actually prophesies. 
that a great falling away will occur during the period called the Great Tribulation, that time when a massive rebellion will occur against God and his authority. I believe we're seeing a precursor to this falling away in our time today. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Paul warns the church that in the latter times, and how many of you know we're living in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And it's no secret that people who once served God have turned their back on the Lord, stopped coming to church, have deserted the faith, and fallen from God's grace and fallen into sin. By the way, I just thought I'd throw this in here. The fall from God and the fall from the church is not normally a precipitous fall. It is just a slow, steady decline into a state of dropping out. You drop out of church one Sunday and then two. You stop reading your Bible one day and then two. You stop praying one day and then two. You start hanging out with the wrong people one time and then another time and then another time. But I came here today with a very simple message. <clears throat> I've been preaching to you for a long time. Now, if you're new, I pray and I seek the face of God, and I still believe God speaks to people. I believe God can speak to a minister if he'll just listen. Some people don't believe that, but there's this verse in the Bible where Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So I believe the Lord speaks. I think the Spirit of God can inspire us. Two weeks ago, if I hadn't gotten sick and been here, two weeks ago, today, I'm preaching to you what I felt like God laid in my spirit to say to the high praises church and to anyone who's watching. God said, I don't want my people falling. I want my people to stand. I want my people to take a stand in these last days. This is a theme of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. I tried to emphasize it while I was reading the text. You saw it. Three times Paul exhorts us to stand. Now there's a truth there. Brothers and sisters, you can stand. You can stand. I've been doing this a long time, and I am still amazed of, of when I encounter Christians who have adopted a version of Christianity that to me seems unstable and precarious. They get up every morning thinking the odds are stacked against them because they're just a sinner saved by grace. You know I hate that. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. Don't ever use that phrase. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner, but once you got saved, you became something entirely different. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Don't call me what I used to be. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So I'm somebody new, but yet I've seen Christians adopt this this form of Christianity where they get up and they're just hoping that they can make it through the day without sinning. Matter of fact, they don't feel very confident about it. 
and they feel like they're going to have more days than not where they're going to fail and they're going to blunder. And if somehow they pull it off or they go all day and they don't do anything wrong, that's a unicorn. They hope they won't give in to temptation. They hope they can finish the day pleasing the Lord. That is not biblical Christianity. You are able to stand every day because God is able to keep you standing. The God that lives inside of you helps you the moment you wake up to the moment you lay your head down and go to bed to live right. Jude 24, speaking of God, says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, be glory and majesty. Everybody look to the person next to you and say, you can do it. You can do it. You can live right every day. Matter of fact, you should. Sinning should be the exception, not the rule. I need to preach this, I feel like. I I feel like I need to preach this. I feel like I've dug into something here. Ditch that mentality. I don't know who taught you that, but get rid of it. There are days I go all day, lots of days, and I don't sin. I don't. Neither do you. Because of the power of the, I'm not going to underestimate God. The power of God helps me to walk in victory. You should live the victorious Christian life every day. Because if God's that weak, we need to find another religion. Here's another truth. You should do all you can to stand. When the heat is turned up, stand. When you're persecuted for your faith, stand. When you lose a friendship due to your commitment to Christ, keep on standing. When the hordes of hell are breathing down the back of your neck, don't give in, don't quit, stand. Fight. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight. I've preached this before. And for those of you who are younger, let me teach you a lesson in life. You ready? Things worth having in life, nine times out of ten, you got to fight for it. Do you hear all the older people say amen? It just doesn't come easy. Now, if you're one of those people, everything's been given to you, I hate you. (laughs) All the rest of you said, We hate you. But what you're going to find out, if you want something, you got to fight for it. Why is there always a struggle? You have to wrestle. You have to to just try to bear down, and somebody has to always stick their nose in it, mess things up. You know why I'm telling you that? Because it's not only true in life, but it's true with the things of God. The things of God, your relationship with Jesus, listen to me. There are some things worth the struggle. If they're worth having, you fight for it. I bet all you guys, when you married your wife, I bet you didn't just get her just like that. You had to work for it. She was worth it. 
You spent lots of money taking her out. That's why when you date a girl and then she breaks up with you, you say, you can't break up with me. I've already spent $26.42 on you. <laughs> Am I right? <clears throat> she was worth it. I'm came, I came here today to tell you, listen to me, brothers and sisters, men and women of God, the things of God are worth fighting over. They're worth struggling for. Never regret standing up for Jesus. Matter of fact, if you've never stood up for Jesus, do it one time and take the heat. Do it. Let them laugh at you, make fun of you, say stuff about you, talk about you at work. Do it. That's what strengthens your faith. Because when you stand for something and then you take the heat, it makes it worth more. It's worth more. To stand, Paul says, you have to withstand. So let me be a biblical scholar here. Three times Paul uses the word stand, but then one time he uses the word withstand. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The Greek word for withstand is anthistemi. And it's from that word that we get our English word antihistamine. Sound familiar? So there it is. Histamine is a signaling chemical in your body that causes allergy symptoms. I found this out in a very serious level a number of years ago we had not been in Anderson too long, and I was out one day washing my vehicle, and I squatted down to clean the tires or the lower part of the car and didn't realize I had stepped into a fire ant's bed. And the fire ants shot up my leg and then gave a signal, and they all bit me at once, which is how they work. And I sprayed them off and got them off and didn't think anything about it until a few minutes I started itching all over. I went in the house. I knew I didn't feel right. I went in. I took a couple Benadryl. I felt like I was swelling. I took my wedding band off. And the next thing I know, I was down on the floor rubbing my hands, the palm of my hands on the carpet, trying to get relief from the itching. Then I still didn't feel right. And I yelled for Leah, and she came in the room. And she said, get in the car. You're going to the hospital. She told me later, she said, you look like a monster. She said, you had blown up to where you were getting disfigured. I said, I can't breathe. She said, get in the car. And she rushed me to the hospital. It was the quickest I've ever got through the emergency room in Anderson Hospital. That was the fastest triage they ever had. They rushed me back, ran an IV in me, and the nurse said, I'm going to give you 100 milligrams of liquid Benadryl. Benadryl is an anti histamine. She said, you're going to feel it. She said, you'll feel it go through your bloodstream and it's going to counteract this immediately. I said, okay. She put that in my IV and I could feel it going in my bloodstream. <clears throat> Leah said almost immediately, she said, the swelling started going down and she said, there, there was a change in you almost immediately. 
Now, the other part of that story is I'd never really been in the hospital. I had taken 50 milligrams of Benadryl, and they gave me 100 milligrams of Benadryl, and then I got sleepy, <laughs> except I didn't really realize, and I thought I was dying again, and I'm hitting the button yelling. I said, I don't feel right. She said, Pastor Sistar, please lay your head back and go to sleep. <laughs> I thought I was dying. But the antihistamine went in and blocked the H1 receptors in my body to keep me from dying. Instead, it helped me to live and even to overcome what was trying, the poison that was trying to take me out. Here's the lesson. To stand, you have to withstand. And, and so the Christian life is not a passive lifestyle, spiritual lifestyle. I see people get saved, and then they think, all right, I'm in. I got my name on the book. Everything's good between me and God. Now I can go back to living my life and doing my thing, and then either when the Lord comes or I die, then I'll go to heaven. Everything will be good, but I'm going to go back to living my life. And they don't realize there's a walk of faith. This is the beginning of a relationship with God and a walk of of trusting the Lord and growing in the Lord and learning how to trust the Lord who never fails. What you were just saying, okay? Is, is that learning how to, how to walk in that? And here's what you gotta know. Some people don't like your faith. You work with anybody like that? Anybody in your family like that? They don't like your faith. Now, hold on here. Let me, let me use my words here. They have an allergic reaction to your faith. Your faith makes them itch. Your faith makes them swell up, bow up, get ill. And so then they, in turn, will attack you and come against you. And you have to learn how to stand by withstanding, by standing up for what you believe and taking a stand by doing some things, in other words, that are, go on the offensive to block anything they're trying to do to move you away from God. So it's not passive, it's active. So how do you do this? How do you withstand? Paul gives us three things. And preachers like three points. He said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The devil does a lot of things. But one of the things he does, I've seen this. He will try to convince you that you are spiritually weak. You're spiritually weak. Now, you know why I know this? Because we compare ourselves among ourselves. And we'll look at, now I grew up in church, it was always brother and sister so-and-so, so can I do that? So we go look at brother so-and-so, or Mr. So-and-so, if that makes you feel better. And he's been serving the Lord for a long time, and we know he can pray, and he's a mighty man of God. You think, I'm... I can't be like him. 
I'm nothing like him. And we compare ourselves. And what we're saying is, I'm weak. I'm weak. And we just play it down. We play it down. We're bad to do that. But I, I, I want to tell you today, when you got saved, God made you strong. Okay? You, you're strong. Now, you may not be as strong as other people, but you're strong. You're not weak. The Holy Spirit lives in you. His power is at work in you. And if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you've been clothed with power from on high. So you're to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And it's like we sang today, you just got to learn how to walk in his power and trust his power because sometimes you're too used to doing it yourself. I'll make a phone call. I'll send an email. I know somebody. Well, sometimes none of that works. What are you going to do then? You got to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. My son, Jaron, my oldest son, is incredibly strong. He does CrossFit and he works out and he's just, he's jacked up. And he's, he's strong. I mean, he's really, really strong. He also owns a tractor, and I've driven the tractor. It was on my bucket list. I never drove a tractor. I said, son, can I drive the tractor? Sure, Dad, I'm driving the tractor. Now, as strong as Jaron is, he can't go out in the woods and pick up one of those big, giant logs. It's too, too heavy for him, too big. He can't do it in his own power, but he's got that tractor. He can get out there with that tractor and through the engine and the hydraulics, he can pick that log up and he can move it, take it anywhere he wants to go. He can operate in the strength of the tractor. He becomes strong in the tractor and in the power of its engine and hydraulics. You with me? He can do through it what he cannot do by himself. I just came here today to tell you, don't stop, stop selling yourself short and stop selling God short. Trade your strength for the strength of God. Trade your power for the power of God because you have access to the power of God residing in you. If you go to chapter 3, verse 20 of this book, Ephesians, Paul says there is a power that is at work in you. Everybody say, it's in me. It is. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Made me think of my friend Odell Burns. Pray for Odell and his brother. Their dad died. Pastor Burns has been my friend for a long, long time, Odell and Angela. One time he was preaching, he said, God's got more power than solar power. God's got more power than nuclear power. Then he waxed big and he said, God's got more power than Duke power. You just need to remind yourself God's got more power than solar power, nuclear power, Duke energy. God's got more power. He's got enough power to do whatever it is that you need to do so that you can stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, give God a praise this morning.
I wasn't always like this. You, I know sometimes y'all just think I'm, I'm so full of bravado. But I used to be the most quiet, timid little guy. If you knew me growing up, ask my mother. Now, I was mischievous and get into things, but overall, my personality was not this outgoing. In school, I, was, I just went to school, didn't do a whole lot, tried to run track, was on the newspaper staff, and that was about it. I didn't walk around the hallways telling everybody about the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't until God baptized me with the Holy Ghost that I, I tapped into the power of God and realized that I could take a stand for the Lord Jesus. But when I lived in Detroit, Michigan, I learned what persecution for Christ was when I was 10, 11, 12, and 13, and 14 years of age. Time does not permit for me to tell you the stories, things my own mother doesn't even know, things that I faced, things that no 12-year-old should have to face. And I would stand for Jesus at 12 because I had two things, the fear of God and the fear of my daddy. did fear of God and the fear of my daddy and I got tormented and and my faith was tried at 12 but I learned as a 12 year old that there is a source of strength where you can stand you can stand and I'm just telling you today it's time for the people of God to rise up don't you be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't you hang your head in shame. You let everybody know who you are and what you are. You don't have to be arrogant about it. Don't ever be arrogant about it. But take your stand. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Now, if you don't like my light, sorry. But I'm not going to hide it for you. That's what the world wants. The world wants you to hide your light. Isn't it amazing how they want us to hide our light? How about you hide your darkness? I'm sick of your darkness. I'm sick of what you're putting out. Second, so be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. How do you withstand? Second, protect yourself and your spiritual well-being. There's this whole thing called the armor of God, and I'm not going to preach that whole text, okay? I'm not going to preach the whole armor of God, but what, what I do understand is that armor is protective gear. So if you ever played baseball and you were the catcher, all right, they give you, they give you shin pads and they give you a, 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 a chest covering and they give you a face mask because a ball's coming at you 90-something miles an hour, moving, all right, and a guy's swinging a bat three inches from your face. So it's a pretty good idea to get some covering. And that's kind of the concept here is there are some things that could hit you, so you got to protect yourself and basically, you got truth and the gospel and your salvation and faith. And that's how you protect yourself. That's how you stand. I brought my Bible today, my hard copy. God's word is truth. God's word is the source of truth, especially moral truth. If you use it, you can filter out the lies of the devil. You can filter out the lies of the world. You can filter out the lies of our culture. You can filter out the lies of our society. You can filter out the lies that come from politicians. You can filter out the lies that come out of TikTok influencers or podcast hosts. Truth will keep you from falling for false propositions. So stay in the word. 
Let the Bible always be the filter. And it's stand in your salvation. Stay in the gospel. The fact that Jesus died to save you and has saved you will protect you from anything or anyone that tries to pull you away from the Lord. Did they give their life for you? Did they wash your sins away? No. So why would you want to lean towards somebody or something that's going to pull you away from the Lord? Stay with the Lord. And then faith. Trust Jesus in every area of your life. Not just some areas, but every area. Because if you refuse to trust him in the least bit, you open yourself to defeat in that area. Anybody heard of the, the, the Great Wall of China? So during the Ming Dynasty, the, uh, they built the Great Wall of China. The Chinese built the Great Wall of China, and they built it to defend against Mongol invasions. And it worked until one day the Mongols got a bright idea, and they bribed the gatekeeper. And they said, we'll give you a whole lot of money. We'll give you more money than they're giving you on, in, in China if you'll just open the gate. And the gatekeeper said, ooh, sounds good. And he opened the gate, took the money, and he let him in. And then the wall was useless. Truth, the gospel, salvation, faith will protect you as long as you do not compromise. And open your life to sinful people and sinful places and sin and worldliness. Keep the doors locked and nurture your walk with God. That's how you stand. The third one is use the weapons at your disposal, which is the word and prayer. The word of God and prayer. I want to say something to you, brothers and sisters. So I'm, I know I'm teaching, preaching today, but we need this. Please listen to me. Your Bible is more than a devotional book. You with me? It's not your devotional book. It's more than that. It's more than a textbook. A lot of churches, you go in and they treat it like it's a class. You take notes, fill in the blank, and it's, it's a class. When you finish, you go home and you've, you've taken another class. Okay, there's nothing wrong with learning the Word of God. I'm not demeaning that. But the Bible is so much more. The Bible says about itself that it is a weapon. It is a sword that kills and destroys your spiritual adversaries, and it will guide you to victory. So just plain old preaching today, use this. Use this to overcome anything that comes in your house that tries to get your kids to start thinking something that's not lining up with God. Teach them this. Run your house by this. Operate your marriage by this. Parent your kids by this. Operating your finances by this. Operate your business by this. Relate to people how this book tells you to relate to people. You with me? The book applies to everything in your life. Living together before marriage has now become the common thing to do. I hate to say this, but every, they don't, but it's one of those everybody does it. Everybody does it. 
I, I just couldn't believe how many of Jaron's friends that a lot of them I knew because he played baseball with so many of them, how many of his friends moved in with their girlfriend before they got married. And that's just become typical. Matter of fact, people think that's what you're supposed to do. Well, here it goes. You're not supposed to do that. You're no, no, you don't do that. Here it goes. It's wrong. Whether you agree with me or not, it's wrong. It's morally wrong. God did not design relationships that way, particularly what goes along with that when you move in together. Well, society, I don't care what society says. Society's not God. But, well, in our culture, Pastor, Pastor you are old-fashioned. No, I'm not. I'm biblical. Don't call me old-fashioned. Maybe it's been around a long time, which might make it an old principle, but it's more than a principle. It's a precept. God said it. He's been around a lot longer, lot longer than our culture. Been around a lot longer than America. Been around a lot longer than human beings. See, I'm taking a stand, and y'all don't know what to do with it. You understand? This is where we've come. I got a microphone, and they're recording it. They're going to put it out there. Good. It's wrong. Preach against this. I quote Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. The marriage bed undefiled. Everybody understands what that means, because I'm not a common... I'm not commentating. But, but, fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. You know what that means? It means it's wrong. The only time it's right is when you're... <coughs> got it. I cannot tell you the times when I have preached this. You don't know this because you just get out of here and you're trying to beat the Baptist to the steakhouse. <laughs> you don't know the times when I preach like this because I preach like this because I have to stand before God one day and give an account. And this is my job. I didn't ask for it. He called me to do it. I didn't ask for this. But I figure if he called me to do it, I'm going to give it everything I got. You don't know the times I've had young couples come up to me and say, well, I guess we got to get married this week. Am I telling the truth, T? Am I telling the truth? And I say, why? You living together? Yeah. But you said, if we could go to heaven, we got to get, we got to get married. I said, yes, you do. Did you love each other? Yeah. I said, well, then go down to the courthouse. Get you a marriage license. Come up to the church office one day this week. I can take care of it in 10 minutes. And they'll go get married. 
Now, if I give my opinion, that's one thing. But when I wield the sword, when I say, thus says the Lord, then it defeats the lie the devil has put in our culture where a bunch of young adults are, have turned into fornicators. That's harsh. Yes, it is. Fornicating. Because we have stopped labeling sin, sin. Cannot fight with two-thirds of a sword, three-quarters of a sword. You have to use the whole sword. And you cannot use two-thirds or three-quarters of the Bible and ignore the rest. You have to take the whole word of God. You can't add to it. How many of y'all like to go to the fair? Did you ever get a candy apple? Who likes candy apples? Who's not going to raise their hand? Yeah, one honest person back there. I've told some of y'all, Jesus asked you to raise your hand. You wouldn't raise your hand. An apple by itself is sweet and nutritious. But once you add the candy coating or the caramel to it, you've made it bad for you. And that's what people do. They take the word of God and all by itself, it is adequate to help you live right and serve God. But then we add our own little philosophies and we change things and once you start adding and changing things up in the Bible so that you can, can keep on sinning and compromising, you've turned it into something bad. When you add sinful and secular ideas to the Bible, you've made it less than what it is all by itself, the word of God. It doesn't need your help to make it work in your life. You need its help to make right moral decisions and live righteously for God. And then I want to close with prayer. Prayer is more than talking with God. Prayer is a weapon. It releases the forces of heaven against the forces of hell. It activates divine power against all who oppose you on earth. And praying in the Spirit is powerful too. When you pray in that heavenly language, God edifies and strengthens you and builds you up. Someone once said the best way to stand is on your knees. So the best way to get your miracle is to pray. Praying people get the victory. Praying people overcome. Praying people get a breakthrough. Praying people get a revival. Praying people stand. So my message to you today is stand. Musicians are coming. We're going to have an altar call. When my youngest son, Evan, was still at home, <clears throat> I think, if I remember right, he got the flu. Something that was made him deathly sick. We took him to the doctor. We did all the medical things. Took him home, and he was absolutely miserable. He was sick. Day went by, two days went by, and it just seemed like he wasn't getting any better. Mom and I started worrying. 
she may have called the doctor back, but he just was, he was bad. He was sick. And I'll never forget that it was at that point when I looked at my wife and I said, you know, shame on me, but here I am, a pastor and a man of God, and I said, we haven't even done what the Bible says to do. And I went in there and I got some Wesson cooking oil. Some of you mamas been some of you mamas have done this, haven't you? I got the cooking oil. I came in there. I said, "Son, your mama and I are going to lay hands on you and pray for you. We're going to pray God's healing power drives this thing out of you." And I took that oil on my finger and I dabbed it on his head. And Leah and I laid hands on him and we prayed. We got a hold of God. I mean, we rebuked that sickness. We prayed the healing power of God into his body. We got a hold of God. When we were finished, within 24 hours, there was a major turnaround in my son. The healing power of God touched Evan Sestar, and he started getting better, and he came out of that thing. And I've never forgotten it, that there is power that is at work within us. There's a power that is at work within us. And we can stand against sickness. We can stand against disease. We can stand against addictions. We can stand against false doctrines. We can stand against worldliness. We can stand against immorality. We can stand against secular worldviews. We can stand against the lies of the devil. We can take a stand because God has given us everything we need so that as a people of God, they fall. And like Rocky, we're still standing. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.